Hey, bitches. It's me, Jono. Oh, my God. Today we have. Oh, my God. Really? Oh, my God. Today we have a very special episode. I have with me my boyfriend, Mr. David here with us. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I just um, we had a nice little walk. We did. We did. Yeah, we had a we had a, talked a little bit. We had in and out. And we did that too. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I did an edible. So I'm on I'm on an amazing journey of something right now. <laughs> something, something. Well, nothing puts me in a good mood like a good burger, you know, mm-hmm. and it, at the good people at in and out I tell you, it's a good burger. They can do it right. That's what our hamburger. Sponsored by In and Out Burgers. Mm-hmm. We we did get we did get free burgers. We did, yeah. But um, that, enough about that. <clears throat> um, so today is going to be a little bit of a touchy subject. It is about religion, and some people, you know, they may not really want to talk about it. They may not want to go there, but you know, as a um LGBTQIA community um podcast you know like it's, it is something that does affect you know our well-being our mental states and you know who we are as individuals yeah and and how it affects you know the, our our community and so um david actually grew up um mormon right yes that's accurate yeah yes uh sometimes the church doesn't want you to call the church the mormon church mm-hmm. They like the full name, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And they even call themselves Latter-day Saints as well sometimes. But they're kind of in and out. Like, once again, going back to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes they like the word Mormon. Sometimes they don't like the word Mormon. I've been called the St. Bernard once. Oh, by whom? A person that's no longer in my life. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> But yes, I did. I grew up Mormon. I was born in the Mormon church and I was basically Mormon until I was about 24 years old throughout my whole life. And then once I turned 24, I basically left. Yeah. We're going to get into all that today. So tell me, where are you from and where do you call home today? Um, I live in Los Angeles with you, Mm -hmm. which I do love living with you it's the best place to live um see reasons why i had him on the show (laughs) (laughs) but i was born in canada i have dual citizenship so i am a canadian and a u.s citizen i was born in alberta in the capital of alberta which is called edmonton that's where i grew up and it's beautiful there yeah alberta is very pretty uh it has the canadian rockies that go through the province so there's a lot of really cute small skiing towns and um it's besides the mountains the rest is prairies so it's a lot of flat land like there's a lot of space unlike la what's the social platform there like what's what's it like coming from a small town and then coming to los angeles well i mean i wouldn't consider edmonton a small town it's it's a big city Mm -hmm. um it's definitely not as big as la um like when I 
had my parents come and visit last Christmas. We did the math and there's more people in LA County than the entire province of Alberta. <laughs> so when they got here, they were very shocked as to how many people were here and how busy everything was because they're just used to a slower pace of life out there in Alberta in the prairies. Mm-hmm. So it was very shocking for them. Yeah. Was it shocking for them to coming home to our home? <laughs> And, uh, and ma- mainly like my office. I think so. They they don't really have any gay friends and they don't know any gay people except for me and you, really. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it was pretty jarring to see like a lot of our very homosexual influenced artwork in our home. Yeah. Uh, um, my ass is actually framed right above <laughs> David's desk. Yes. And so um that was that was that was that was a quite a sight to see your mom kind of gasping at that. Yeah. And I and, and me even saying that's mine. Yeah, next <laughs> to my my late grandparents is a picture of your ass. Yes. Which I own. So I mean where else would it fit in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um yeah I think they're slowly they're getting used to it because their home is just very religious and my mom has a lot of very um very church oriented artwork Mm -hmm. it's hobby lobby right it's a lot of pictures of jesus okay there's a lot of pictures of like jesus as a shepherd and then like jesus on the cross and then Jesus with a child, and there's a lot of Jesus mm-hmm. around. And there's a couple uh, photos and things of other prominent Mormon prophets and sayings. Yeah. She's, yeah, it's a very Mormon house, um, very different than ours. Should I give her a picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi and say it's Jesus? <laughs> uh, my dad is a huge Star Wars fan, so I okay. think she would know who that was. Okay, never mind. <laughs> You're we're like, we sat down and watched, like, I at least sat down with your mom during Christmas when we watched Star Wars, actually. Yeah, she loves everything um, sci-fi, uh-huh. which I'm kind of shocked. Yeah. Because uh, looking at her, like, you wouldn't think that she was such a fan of, um, like, Marvel and superheroes. Yeah. And I remember her favorite... Um, cartoon to watch with us was gargoyles oh that's cool do you remember that gargoyles cartoon very 90s yeah she loved that cartoon and i was shocked because you know the demographic of that cartoon is like 12 year old boys and my mom was like in love with it (laughs) it was so i think because it took place like in a church wasn't it i mean yeah it was a cathedral maybe that was why yeah but like the mormon churches don't have gargoyles like that yeah that's kind of interesting too, like how different religions have different art pieces, like how they're correlated with certain things. Because I know, like, I come from the, the Catholic upbringing, and all those um, I've asked, like, what are all those um, those those monsters and stuff? Are like those are gargoyles, and they're sent to protect everybody within the church. Oh, they're for protection. Yeah, oh. and so they're not like for like a demonic, or they're not like for any type of purposes. But it's kind of interesting that the church would have like you know like all like the depictions and things like the hidden meanings and whatnot mm-hmm. like how it's like this like ferocious angry like screaming monster type of thing that's protecting everybody inside the church mm. i didn't know that was for protection that's yeah. cool 
And at my mom's house, we actually have gargoyles outside the, the house. And that was like something that I put out like when I was like 15 and they're still up today. Yeah, that's very different than the Mormon churches. I mean, the Mormon churches are kind of basic. They look kind of plain and kind of, I guess, calming. Mm-hmm. But the the temples, they look very different. There's a big difference between a Mormon church and a Mormon temple. The temples are the buildings that are very elaborate and very beautiful looking. They always have big gardens in front of them. And they're kind of like what the Mormon church is known for like they boast about how beautiful their temples are Mm -hmm. and there's always the angel moroni that's on top of the temple below in his trumpet i guess that would be like like the catholic gargoyle would be like moroni blowing Mm -hmm. his trumpet what does that mean though um i think i could be wrong but i believe that moroni on top of the temple is blowing his trumpet to signify the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. He's letting everyone know Jesus is coming again, y'all. Here she comes again. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Now, I am nowhere near coming for your parents. I love your parents and have had one-on-one time with them, talking about you, talking about me, and they have nothing but love for you. And they've shared their expression expressed love for me they do they and, love you a lot and you know sitting down with them and like and nowhere near coming for them in this episode but you know like it's just me asking questions about like how like obviously like you're in you're mormon because of your parents yes so. definitely only through birth would i have ever become a mormon person yeah and so like the what was the dynamic of growing up in the church and you know with you know like their values and the the mindset that goes through a young gay kid like what was that dynamic Mm, like what was going through my head as a child yeah what was that mindset going what was that dynamic of being a gay kid and with that mindset well it was a lot of guilt for me um, because I didn't realize I was gay until I was about 12 or 13. And that's when I started to, you know, mature sexually. And I had a lot of uh, negative things about homosexuality um, taught to me basically every Sunday and what were some of the things that were shared with you? Um, a lot of the Bible verses about homosexuals, um, you know, going to be cast into outer darkness, which is the Mormon version of hell, and how it was like a sin akin to murdering somebody and things like that. And even my my mother and father were both very homophobic. Um, growing up they have since become a lot better but I remember asking my mother when I was about 12 or 13 and I asked her what she would do if one of her children ended up being a homosexual and she told me that they would be dead to her that she would have one less child to worry about in the world Mm -hmm. and you know having all that stuff and 
all of those values, I guess, taught to me as a child, it just kind of prepared me. Luckily, I didn't go to a very, very dark place. I just knew that when the time came that I was going to come out, I knew I had to be 100% ready to basically experience like that death in my mother's eyes as yeah. one less child to worry about. Yeah, especially I, going through your late teens and yeah, your accomplishments that you know like you have throughout that point, knowing that you know like you have these tender moments with your mother that you know it could potentially be gone mm-hmm. in a matter of minutes if you were to say something or you know feel like an emotion you want to share with your mom. Yeah, I think that's another reason why I prolonged coming out for so long mm-hmm. is because I had to be emotionally ready for my mom essentially to not talk to me. Um, I had to be financially stable because I know once I came out, they wouldn't be helping me financially ever. And just like um, try to get as much life advice, I guess, from them um, by that point that I would have to do everything on my own. It's just so crazy that you knew that you were building up this like, (laughs) like a savings account Uh for yourself to you know prepare yourself to come out to your parents yeah because I knew I wanted to Mm -hmm. and it was never an option for me to not come out to my parents because like I wanted to live authentically as the person that I am and um I just knew that coming out had a price and it was a pretty steep price but it was one I I had to pay because I wasn't going to live in denial and lie about my sexuality yeah who does yeah um on a total side note we both watched the documentary 1946 and it's a documentary sharing about how the word homosexual doesn't appear in the bible until 1946 and which was actually mislabeled for um the words that they were trying to put in and it took decades for it to be corrected and it's still not fully corrected in most Bibles, but um, we actually sat down and looked at your Bible of Later Day Saints, and we could not find the word homosexual in it. No, we couldn't. Uh, so the Mormon Church believes in the King James Version of the Bible, and there are translations by a prophet, a quote-unquote Mormon prophet, whose name is Joseph Smith, who basically re-established the Mormon Church starting in 1820, and um, he made little translations here and there inside the King James Version of the Bible. So since there were translations from him, I assumed the word homosexual would be in there, and it wasn't at all. We couldn't find it at all in the King James Version of the Bible. The word's not in there. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So like, where does all this negativity of homosexuality come from within the church? Just people? Like blatant yeah, I think it's misinterpretations of other words that are in the Bible instead of homosexual. Because like that documentary is so great. It opened up my eyes completely as to the other words that um, are there instead of homosexual. And the meaning of those words was completely different than what people think it's mm-hmm. saying about homosexuals or not. Yeah, and it goes, it stems back from like the meaning of the word. So like one word that was in Latin that translated from originally in Arabic that like meant something completely different. And Mm -hmm. it was like 
like a like a second definition in slang of what homosexual means like someone that is soft and feminine or yeah effeminate was a word that was used a lot and uh-huh. they replaced it with homosexual yeah and you know it, it's just surprising that it's been this so long and people have that driven mentality oh it says it in the bible oh it says this you know blah 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 but it's it's not really there yeah it's other it's other words that people think means homosexual but in reality means a bunch of different other things yeah it's really sad but um that documentary is so good though it was streaming with doc nyc Um, i'm sure it's still available but if anybody can go out there definitely go see it follow them on instagram they have great posts talking about um the history. I think I believe it was Harvard University where they had their original transcripts of when they were translating the Bible in, in 1946. And when they did that, you know, they were able to find their their cliff notes of what the reasoning why the you know it, it was in there. And it was never a decision like they just like kind of overlooked it. Oh yeah, that that word means that, you know, type of thing. But, you know, and in return, it it caused a lot of harm. And if it wasn't for one person that wrote a letter speaking up for it and make, asking to make a revision on it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it would still be there today. Yeah, I wish I could remember the actual words he used in the letter when he wrote to them and said, hey, I don't think this means what you think it means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he... I'll have to look it up, but the word he used was like, like hateful untruth or something like that. And he was like, I don't think you understand that you've, you've made this hateful untruth that could be used against a lot of really good people. Yeah, exactly. And that stems, you know, like deeper with people here, especially in America, where you have that hate that comes from somewhere. It's Mm -hmm. taught to them and it's it's has it's fi- flame is fully going yeah like i remember being in sunday school when they were talking about being a homosexual and murdering someone being the same thing mm-hmm. and they were like oh if you hate murder then you'll hate the gays wow <laughs> and i was like why do we have to hate anybody that's, that's so sad i know and you hear a lot of people talking about you know causing harm to themselves or you know like creating the self-hate within themselves especially in these young years you know that's detrimental to one's you know mentality yeah was there anything like that that came luckily i i feel like i had it pretty much together and i kind of i was a smart kid and i put the pieces together and i realized that like just because this group of people felt this way it didn't mean that everyone felt this way and that it was in fact truth that they were speaking Mm -hmm. um because much later in life when i started meeting gay people and surrounding myself with gay people and talking about spirituality within the gay community it helped a lot to really realize like religion the construct itself is kind of fragile and so i was open to a lot more experiences and so I didn't have a lot of trauma like I know some people have growing up very religiously and being gay yeah that's so sad Mm -hmm. I felt you know I I don't mean to 
to bring up my joyous upbringing, but um, <laughs> I remember I, I went to Sunday school and I had a wonderful teacher who saw right through me and she asked me she was like sashay away <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> she's actually a really good friend of uh, my mother and they still go out and have lunch and whatnot and she um she told me when i was little saying you know asking everybody oh for valentine's day do i have someone special to give to somebody and so she said she goes oh do you have anybody anybody you want to give this to is there a little girl maybe a boy or just a friend and I was like thinking to myself she knows <laughs> <laughs> I got red yeah she knows me but like you know I grew up with my mom having tons of gay friends so I kind of knew that I had a, like a safe ground with it you know yeah. and but even in within the church I felt safe and I know a lot of, not a lot of people felt that way especially with Catholics but I you know it it, it is there mm -hmm. it just depends on who's teaching you Mm -hmm. And not everybody has the same experience, you know, and you had an awful one, I'm sure. Initially, yes, it was pretty rough. Because you were taught to hate yourself, right? Basically, yeah. And a lot of people, I mean, they struggle a lot with that. I feel like there's a lot of... But but even though today, like people who... who imagine a person that's your age right now. And they've gone through their entire life saying like, oh, I need to follow these rules in this book yeah. and not pay attention to my individuality and to, you know, like I have to do this, I have to get married, I have to have kids, you know, type of thing. They mm -hmm. go through all that whole process and then when they hit, you know, in their, in their, in their forties or something, you know, they're wondering. Or much later. Yeah. Like, you know, fuck, this isn't who I am. This yeah. isn't who, who I want to be. I work with a lot of people. I mean, I work in the airline industry, so there's a lot of gay people that I work with. Honey. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that are in their 50s, 60s, even 70s that are just coming out now and like living their best lives because yeah. they they thought that if they followed a certain rules like if they followed certain rules of life, they would be able to obtain happiness. Yeah. And that's what the Mormon church does too. They have this plan of salvation that if you follow each of the rules that you're given, you will a hundred percent find happiness in life. And it's like, it's so, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that they have this one plan and they think if everyone lives the same life and they live, th they live the same way and follow the same rules, that they'll be happy. But happiness is so different for everybody. Like one thing that makes me happy won't make you happy and vice versa. Yeah. And I think everyone's happiness, it really varies so much on their life experience and their dreams and their goals and what they want to do with their lives. And it's crazy that at least that church has this plan that's like this is what you have to do you have to follow this mold and follow these rules and that's the only way you'll be happy but there's so many other ways to find happiness in life and so yeah. i think it's critical that people figure out the way that makes them happy yeah and that's a process some people don't ever find it yeah you it's know? true that's why they're like in their 70s and they're like well i'm finally comfortable being gay and i'm comfortable coming out and living my life as a happy gay man mm -hmm. and it's like 
it took you a while to get there, but at least you're there. You're there and you're happy now. And that's the mm-hmm. goal, right? Is to be happy. So yeah. good for them. I couldn't do that myself, but everyone's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, come on, like you're in your, you were in your twenties and you wanted to experience it, you know, like mm-hmm. we saw it on TV. We saw like, you know, we go to the clubs and stuff like that. And you want to be part of that yeah. life, you know, like you have to make oh that, gosh. you have to make that leap. Before I came out seeing gay culture and gay things in the media made me so uncomfortable. Why? Because it made me realize all of the all of the things in my life that I needed to figure out mm-hmm. and things I needed to go through. And it was more like, you know, I was trying to live this Mormon lifestyle and trying not to be a gay person. And so anything that reminded me of those gay feelings, I tried to oppress and ignore and not see. And so when I would see them in front of my face, like I remember Queer as Folk came out Mm -hmm. and I remember like seeing Will and Grace and I remember being like, oh, they're really, really gay and look how happy they are living as gay people. It hurt me because I hadn't accepted who I was and I wasn't living a happy gay life like they were. And I always tried to just hide it and not see it. So when I did see it, it made me realize like how much I had to deal with in my own life. And I didn't want to. I wanted to just ignore it. Wow. So when did you actually come out? Um, I came out when I was 24 years old. I went on a Mormon mission uh, from 19 um, till I was 22. What is that actually? Like, what is the mission? Uh, Mormon people, at least back then, I think, I think the age has changed to 18. Um for men and women, but back then men went on missions when they were 19 and women went when they were 21, if they wanted to. And you essentially leave your home and go live in a different place, a different state or a different country. And you vote, you devote your entire life for two years and girls did a year and a half. I'm not sure what it is for girls now, but back then in, um, I went in 2002, back then it was a year and a half for women and two years for men. So during that time, you you spend your entire life and all your time um, spreading the word of God and teaching people about the Mormon church and Jesus and his plan and about baptism. And you do um, service work as well for the church members. And so when I did that, I went to Puebla, Mexico, and they basically have a lot of rules about communicating with your family. Like you're only allowed to talk on the phone to your family um, on Mother's Day and Christmas. Um, Why not Father's Day? I don't know why not Father's Day. Father's Day wasn't one of the days. It was only Mother's Day that you were able to call and talk on the phone. And then you were able to write them letters, um, like send them an email once a week on every Monday, which was like your break day where you got to like do your laundry and clean your house. And you could write them a letter once a week, but you weren't allowed to just call them or instant message them or anything like that, because you were supposed to be using all your time and efforts to teaching everyone about the Mormon church and Jesus's plan and God and things like that. And you aren't allowed to 
go to anything worldly. So you couldn't just like go see a movie. You weren't allowed to watch worldly movies. They had to be only church movies. And you couldn't like put in a CD of your favorite band. It had to be church music. It wasn't allowed to be music that was of the world, they called it, because it wasn't church music. And you couldn't just go to the mall and go shopping. Like you had to spend your time proselyting and teaching people and you couldn't um, be alone with someone of the opposite gender. You always had your your companion. That's why the missionaries go two by two so they can kind of watch each other. And you can get it in a lot of trouble if you break any of these rules. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's so very... no, no Halloween. No, you can only go to church parties. Like <sighs> the whole reason for you being there is for the church members to bring non-member friends so you could talk to them. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And we had like, we couldn't read any books that we wanted to. It had to all be church books. And so if you were caught with like a regular book, um, you got reprimanded, you got in trouble. Wow. And I remember like, I've always been a really big fan of anime. So I had an anime soundtrack that I like to listen to. And it was instrumental music. It was, there were no words. It was just instruments. Mm. But since it wasn't from the church, made by the church, they took it away from me. I got in oh. trouble for having it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they stole Well, they, they took it. And then I got it back after the two years. I was done. And then they gave me my CD back. But I wasn't allowed to listen to, to it because it wasn't from the church. Jeez. It's a very strict, strict time. A person like me... Like I've already talked to you about like how I was brought up and things that I might peak of interest. What would the church think of me? Sinner. <laughs> <laughs> would I have been the Madonna of the group? <laughs> if you were a Mormon missionary, I'm sure there'd be a lot of questions. <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. So what happened after you came out? Um, so I finished my Mormon mission. I came home and then um, I started college and I started mm-hmm. college in Arizona. I went to a community college at first and I took a world religions class and that kind of opened my eyes up a lot okay. to all the different religions out there. Mm-hmm. And just like, I don't know, a lot of it seemed really um, there were a lot of factors um like even geographically as to which religion you were like just because you were born in a certain country there was a higher percentage that you'd be of a certain religion and just a lot of things that didn't make sense to me because I was I was always under the impression that there was only one true church and that's what the Mormons believe that it's their church or no church that's the only way to get to God again and live with him in heaven is through that one church And so when I saw all the different churches that were out there, it was just like my mind was blown because I was like, there's so many of these churches. And like if somebody is born in a different part of the country or in a different part of the world and like statistically that country is predominantly a different religion, like you're already at a disadvantage of finding the one true Mormon church because you're just born in a different country. And that's Mm -hmm. not your fault at all. And I was just like kind of blown away as to how there's, I I didn't really believe that it was the one way to get to God again, because there were so many other options. And I didn't believe that everyone else could be wrong. 
so that kind like, of like what if you were to choose to be buddhist one day yeah know? like if you were born in like an asian country where most of the country is buddhist then you're probably going to be one yourself mm. and that's nothing you did wrong it's just the fact that you were born in a, in a country where that was the biggest religion and that's not your fault and i don't think god would penalize you for that this is something that fascinates me so much. I was a art history major and studying art history, like how you're saying about like world history and whatnot and re world religion, like how a lot of those images, those like things that you see in museums are all part of, you know, a, a, a culture's upbringing. And that fascinates me so much. And I would love to do an episode of like world religion or maybe even a series. On yeah. That because like, all of that is just so fascinating to see and to learn like what everyone's you know customs reasons you know like why they ha have this mindset it's because it was all because of religion mm -hmm. you know religion is part of you know cultures and world way of life and it's yeah. and it's it's something that it's when you think about it too it's um, also very very primitive there's been wars over religion yeah like people have slaughtered whole cultures because of their religion exactly like when we learned about the mayans and we went to mexico together yeah that the the whole mayan civilization was basically like destroyed because they were a different religion yeah when somebody <laughs> decided to say oh this is my land and mm -hmm. decided to burn all their culture all or, their books they had they yeah. had encyclopedias the, the Mayan culture had encyclopedias of knowledge and things that, you know, we couldn't even think of today. And just because it, it looked different to a certain colonizer, they decided to burn it. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. Why can't we all just get along? Come on. <laughs> Hashtag the book of Jono. <laughs> I'll read your book. Yeah. Somebody better. <laughs> there's a lot of pages in there and a lot of a lot of images in there. Mm -hmm. all righty ladies and gentlemen we're gonna take a little nap but we'll be right back hey bitches visit johnophoto.com for prints t-shirts the book of johnno series and more use discount code j-a-b-b-r at checkout for 15 percent off your order at johnophoto.com thank you so much and happy new year welcome back bitches so uh, I wanted to connect again with um, throughout your religious journey. Yeah, let's connect. <laughs> um, so what was the aftermath of, you know, leaving the church, the pain, repairing things? And how are things now with like your family and you as your individual spirituality? Um, it was very painful uh, leaving the church because it was my whole world it was like everything I knew yeah. about life and the afterlife all came crumbling down basically. And I had to build myself up again um, with new beliefs and new support like you. And like I said about my parents, they basically weren't a part of my life anymore. Um, so when I initially came out, they didn't talk to me for about two years. And that two years of my life was very scary. I ended up 
drinking a lot just to try and feel happy i think it was, it was de depression i was i was very depressed i felt lost i didn't you know have that support of my parents anymore and so i definitely felt the pressure um of the world like just being alone and it was sad and it was scary and i wouldn't wish that feeling on anybody ever um just because you know you're supposed to have unconditional love from your mother and your father mm -hmm. and if you if that gets taken away from you then how are you supposed to find it from someone else yeah who is who wasn't there to birth you and raise you and nurture you it really kind of messes up in your mind about what you think love is Mm -hmm. and how people show love in different ways yeah and being a young gay man freshly out of the closet and trying to feel happy i i think i became very promiscuous um because i wanted to feel happiness like uh the reason why i drank so much so it became those few years were just a lot of anonymous sexual encounters and a lot of alcohol use. Mm -hmm. And that all basically stopped when um, I started a relationship with my parents again. Mm -hmm. Because then I felt whole again. I felt empty before. And once my parents reached out to me, and it was actually my grandmother that kind of was pointing the finger at them and telling them they were being bad parents. She basically forced them to call me and invite me over because she was very upset that we weren't talking. So my grandma. Were you grandma's favorite? I mean, you've met my grandma. Yeah. And she definitely has told you a few <laughs> things about me. And I think I'm her favorite. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> But also, too, it's like if when grandma steps in saying something, you know, it's there's no other love than a grandma's love. Mm -hmm. And. Yeah, it took my grandma for my parents to realize they had made a big mistake. Yeah. Opening, widening the picture. Mm -hmm. And your, your grandmother is also, too, part of the Mormon faith. As well. She is. Yes. She's a Mormon woman as well. And so I was a little shocked to hear that she was adamant about us rekindling our relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. um, but my grandma is very different than my mother. My grandma has had a lot of gay friends. So she has had a lot more exposure to gay culture. And so I think that's why she was more open to it. Yeah. Because I remember she used to take me to this gay couple's house mm -hmm. and they were her friends, but she told me they were brothers because I was like maybe seven or eight years old. Bullshit. I know <laughs> they had a little canary and they gave the canary different haircuts. Honey. <laughs> Honey. And they loved um, the wizard of Oz. Mm. Dorothy. Who, who doesn't Dorothy's face was everywhere. And they had a lot of like pink frilly, 
pillows and like red velvet furniture. And I was like, grandma, their house is very stylish. She goes, yeah, they just really, really, they love, you know, Judy Garland and they have really, really great furniture. And I was like, they seem like really close brothers, grandma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like that goes back to like, saying about grandmas are amazing like grandma grandmas know and grandmas like you know are always there for for you and they you know they love you unconditionally yes she honestly my grandmother she saved me because if my grandmother hadn't done that i don't know what i would have done or where i would be or if i ever would have felt whole again my grandma got that got my family back for me that's so sweet. It is. And I don't think she realizes how big of a deal that was for me and how lost I actually was. She knows. I hope so. But she she kindled that relationship again. And I went back to my parents' house kind of afraid because I wasn't sure how they would react to me. Um, Just like being this drunk slut for years and then going but back like to my that, parents' that, that, house. That wasn't like who you were, that you were basically in, in that phase of life where you were um, looking for some type of comfort. You're looking for something within all those encounters. I was. You were you were trying to med- self-medicate you with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there's a reason for like you doing those acts to yourself. It wasn't just because you just want to go become slut. You wasn't just because you wanted to to just drink, to just get pissed drunk. You're trying to repair yourself in some form of way that you felt that, you know, was your... Yeah, your I was way. trying to cope. I was trying to cope with all the emotions I was having. Yeah. And after I came back to my parents' house for the first time, it was really good to see them. And to my surprise, they just, they hugged me. They they didn't say sorry until many years later. But they hugged me and said, we've missed you. We want you back in our lives. And you're welcome into our home anytime you want. And ever since then, it's finally gotten back to the, almost to the point that it was when I was still in the Mormon church, like before I came out. It's almost there. It's definitely come a long way. And even seeing my parents' interactions with like gay friends and with you, they love you. And this is this is how close like his mom and I are. are I'm doing oracle card readings for her. And yes. me and her are having one-on-one <laughs> <laughs> talking about like, you know, life and whatnot. And they've come a long way. Like your your parents, your parents are doing this because not only they're they're changing, but they love you. They might not want to say it, but you know, like they're, they're they do they, tell me now they're changing. When they apologized, this was maybe four years ago, five years ago. I'm I was shocked because it actually felt genuine. And knowing my mother, she's kind of a stubborn woman, and she doesn't really apologize a lot for things that she's done wrong. And she did. She womaned up and she said, I'm sorry, that was a bad choice. I never should have done that. And I am sorry for any harm that it caused you. And I just like broke down. I was like, 
I forgive you and thank you for that. That means the world to me that you yeah. would apologize for that. And after that, we just have had a really great relationship since. So it's come, it's come a long way and I'm very proud of them because I know the way they were before I came out and I know all of their, their views of homosexuality were very jaded. Um, so I'm happy for them. And because of the progress that they've made, I'm able to have a loving relationship with them again. So, yeah. so that's what matters most to me. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> In the past November, according to AP News, the Mormon Church voices support for same-sex marriage. The church has made this next step in welcoming the LGBTQ community, but still believing that same-sex relationships are sinful. How does that make you feel? They passed a law a few years ago saying that children of same-sex marriages or partners would not be able to join the church um, unless they announced that their parents or guardians relationship was sinful and they were 18 years old and they didn't live with the same sex partners anymore. And that was only a few years ago. I want to say it was like three or four years ago. And that spoke volumes of how the church felt about homosexuality because they were essentially not letting people that wanted to have baptisms to join the Mormon church, they weren't letting them have them because their parents were in a same-sex relationship. And they have since renounced that. They said, oh, that's, that's not going to be the case anymore because they received a lot of backlash and a lot of uh, negative press because of that. And so I think they still have a long way to go. I'm happy that they are quote unquote allowing gay people to be <laughs> members of the church, but they're essentially saying like, you can be a member of this church and be a gay person. You just can't do anything gay <laughs> and you can't like be in love with who you want to be in love with. You can't have sex with who you want to have sex with. And it's just like, they want you to live this like sad, asexual existence. And it's like, and I see so many gay people that are doing it because they're so, they're so obsessed with the thought that the church is the only organization that knows what's right. And if they follow all of the church's advice, they'll be happy. But I myself, I could never live that way. And I don't think any gay person could be happy living that way. Yeah. So if you are in that situation where you're in this organized religion that wants you to just be asexual and not have anything to do with the LGBT community and think that you shouldn't be able to have rights and be able to have love and be able to have marriage... I know it's hard, but you have to let it go. You have to find a different family and a different home, one that supports you, because otherwise you'll never be happy with who you are. Yeah, like what happens if you get married? 
you you marry the the person that you think is the one that you you need to marry because the religion tells you to mm-hmm. and you you marry that person you get you have kids you know you go through your life and it's like like you're you know in your 50s or something and you're just like fuck did i really want this mm-hmm. you know and it, that must be horrible to feel that way to know that you you're living a lie yeah. one, and to do that to the other person you know, making them go through this too, because it's not just that you yourselves that are in, in this path of life, you know, it's the person that you make your partner, person yeah. that your kids, you know? Yeah, I think ultimately it's just like, would God want you to live a loveless life? And I think most people would say the answer is no. God wants us to find love. And if you're in a church where finding love is essentially non-existent you need to find a place where it becomes a possibility because otherwise you will be very very lonely and then you'll drink a lot and you'll have a lot of sexual encounters that lead to nowhere that lead to nowhere (laughs) well they led me somewhere because i found you we're both on a dating app that's what happened Mm -hmm. so looking back at religion this religion in particular what comes to mind? Um, I think it's a good church uh, for people that fit the mold that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, people that can follow those rules and can live by their standard and be happy. I think that's great. I think more power to them if that's what they want. Um, I was not one of those people. I couldn't do that, although a lot of my friends that I grew up with in the church could, and they're still happy Mormon people to this day. I just... They didn't have room for us. There was no room. Um, Even though in in their actual book doesn't say anything about homosexuality. It doesn't say the word homosexual. It's the people's teaching of it. Yeah, the Mormons... uh, I think the church is a good place for people that fit in, but if you don't fit in, it can be a very hard place to be. Is there something that you could say right now to that one young gay kid that was once in your shoes in the same situation that you were once at? What would you say to them? Oh my gosh. I would tell them to buckle up buttercup. (laughs) (laughs) that it's going to be a wild ride and you're going to have to prepare yourself for a lot of a lot of ignorance coming your way and hopefully the journey for you is better than the journey that I had because times are changing people are changing the church they're they're changing slowly so just be ready for repercussions of people that you thought were your friend and maybe they're not so much your friend as you thought and your family as well. Hopefully they have a loving, accepting family that will help them and guide them in the right direction uh, where they can find a spouse and partner in life. But just be ready for a lot of challenges and a lot of people that you thought you could trust and you thought loved you but the church kind of creates 
a facade of love and friendships. So just be prepared for that. But you will find new ones. You'll find different friendships and different love in a supportive community. It just will be a different one. That was that was beautiful. Thank you. So we're coming to the tail end of this episode. Is there anything you want to plug? Um, I think everyone should buy the book of Jono. <laughs> Are you reading a script? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Everyone buy the book of Jono. It's great. All the volumes are amazing. And also buy t-shirts. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and, you know, not only being an amazing boyfriend, but also, you know, being able to be vulnerable and sharing your experiences that you had. And I'm, I'm extremely proud of you where you're at now and how far you've come. But it's, it's, it's been a minute and it's, yeah. it's been, you know, like learning experience for both. And, uh, and I'm glad that you're in this, you're in a better mental state. I am. I'm in a great place now and I know who I am. And I have love and support of my family and friends. And I have you. And you're amazing. And it took me a lot to find you. But I finally did. I found you too. (laughs) So I'm happy about it. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, So not only is this a beautiful ending. Because let's let's face it. We'd like to share with everyone today. Today is the season finale of Jabber. Uh, We'll be back sometime in later spring of 2023. David and I are working on a lot of, a lot of big stuff. um, A lot of adult stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so um, I've been very preoccupied. I've been playing the adult role (laughs) and a lot of decisions that we've been making. And so a lot of that has taken up some time, but um, we'll be back. And I hope to hear from you guys. I want to see all your emails and see those numbers grow up too. <laughs> and um, see you guys soon. Thank you. Love you. Mwah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this is Jabber Podcast. Executive produced by John Madison. If you have a question, comment, topic, or story you want to share, we want to hear it. Email jabbrpod at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram or Twitter at jabberpod. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Stories and mentions are not meant to hurt anyone or their subtitle parties. Intro and outro, LA Step by We. <laughs>